following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K-State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. All right, so Travion, like he always does, before we hit the air, comes on for 30 seconds and gives us a weather update. And I'm hearing snow, I'm hearing rain, but I'm like, you know what? Hopefully that's just tonight, right? And from what I just heard, it's hopefully just tonight. (laughs) Maybe a little bit into tomorrow, but what is tomorrow as well? The home opener for K-State Baseball. And it's always cold. It's always just... Yep. I don't know if I want to be outside. It's just too cold. It's not ideal weather for baseball. I think finally we're catching a break. As weird as that sounds, as weird as it is with potentially having some snow tonight and into tomorrow morning, Friday a high of 57 with sunny skies in the afternoon for a 4 o'clock first pitch against Army? Though it's going to be windy. Uh, You know... I know. It is what it is. Hey, if that wind's blowing out to uh, to the north or northeast, that's a pretty good sign for K-State to hit some dingers. There you go. Because they've hit 14 home runs to start the year, and they've all been to left field. So, that, 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 uh, I will take a north wind. Okay. And Friday it says north wind. Mm-hmm. Five to ten miles per hour. High of, uh, you know, the occasional gust of 20. Saturday's high 55 and sunny. Mostly cloudy, mostly sunny rather on Sunday and 69. 59 partly sunny Monday. I'm telling you, weather-wise, that might be the best forecast for the opening weekend, opening series in K-State baseball history. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berkland wearing his I Heart New York hoodie today. Finally. Finally, K-State beat Porter Mosier. <laughs> it took four shots, but they finally did it. Going back to the Loyola Chicago Elite Eight game. Lost both games last year to the Sooners. K-State had beaten Lon Kruger in like 10 straight meetings in Bramlage. And then Porter Mosier gets the job. And of course, you know, last year was a, was a painful year. Right. And Mosier wins senior day. For K-State. Not this time, folks. Not this time. Cats get it done in an amazing environment on senior night last night in Bramlage, 85-69. to I'm just glad they got Mosier. And there was that picture of, like, Keontae Johnson after a bucket is, like, in transition, and Mosier's, like, holding out his hand, like, get away from me, dog. And meanwhile, <laughs> Keontae is looking very happy. Mm-hmm. Now, of course. That 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 actually happened right in front of me. It wasn't, you know, talk to the hand from Potter Mosier. It was just when Keontae swirled around through the baseline and coming back around to get on the other end of the floor, they kind of ran into each other. Uh, it was a, yeah. an attempt to essentially keep from further contact. There was also other moment last night where uh, in the first half, so like, was it like 6 nothing in fouls or 7 nothing in fouls? Oklahoma had the six or seven. K-State had none in the first half, despite the very slow start for the Cats scoring. And the Oklahoma bench was freaking out about the fouls. wasn't because of you know the differential. 
it was about they had thought Jalen Hill picked up a foul. Or no, on the scoreboard it said Jalen Hill picked up a foul. Uh, but they're like confused. Was it on Hill or was it on Uzon? Uh, Milo's Uzon number mm-hmm. twelve, and I had announced it was number twelve. But then the scoreboard said it was number one, and then at one point Mojo looks at a referee and points at me. He goes, "Did he say it wrong or not?" I had it right. <laughs> I had it right. It's the scoreboard that was wrong. Mosher, I thought we were boys, and then you turn heel on me. I mean, for God's sakes, we talked about music and Footloose at Media Day, and then you're like, kind of like secondhand yelling at me. Made me sad for a second. Heat and then the, the cats kicked your butt. Heat of the moment. Yeah, and then the cats kicked your butt. All right, coming up on the show in hour number two, we're going to obviously talk a lot about last night's victory, and of course, here in a moment, we will as well, but also want to make another pitch for Marquise Noel. It's, it's probably our final chance to do so, right? Marquise Noel to be Big 12 Player of the Year, number one song of the day, and ask you anything. We'll hear from K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty later on in this hour. But first of all, it's Thursday, and you know what that means. AEW Dynamite was last night. You missed it. Mm-hmm. You missed it. It was last night. Had priorities. Yes. You're in Topeka. I was at Bramlage, of course, last night. The K-State women, a real heartbreaker at Oklahoma in overtime last night. Can't believe they rallied the way they did. Oh, Oh, yeah. K-State was down 22 points. Yeah, it was 30-8. to eight. In the first half, and they storm back. The game goes to overtime. Unfortunately, Oklahoma wins by four. But, of course, last night the men get it done against OU. We couldn't uh, – we weren't able to talk to him yesterday. We're going to talk to him today. It's Derek Young from K-State Online. D.Y., thanks for joining us once again. It's been a few weeks since we've been able to talk to you. Uh, unfortunately, I actually just heard about this bad news um, – we don't know ex- exactly why, but Felix Ndike Uzama was supposed to work out today at the Combine. It was tweeted out just moments ago from a, a member of the media that's there that he will not participate in workouts at the Combine. But if Derek Young was participating in the Combine, what would be your best event? Okay. Well, first off, I don't like the weather reports because I'm flying to Pittsburgh tomorrow morning, of course. So I, I hate to hear that, but I guess I don't have to deal with it. So that's great. <laughs> Secondly, I wonder if that has to do with Felix. I think he was going back and forth on whether or not to, to have surgery after the season. So I wonder if he just didn't get there uh, in his recovering time uh, and maybe he'll just do it in Manhattan for the pro day. So that might be a thing, but uh, pro day event, you wonder what my best one would be. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm assuming that was the question. I guess I, I forget now because I wanted to cover multiple things there. Like, I, I don't run very well, I don't know if I've ever run very well, so it's probably not a part of that. Uh, peak performance, though, for my weight, I was benching pretty well in my late 20s, so I'll go with that. See, and I'm the opposite, I hated the bench press, I, I didn't mind working out, like, I, I like doing squats, hang cleans. But oh man, squats! No, I would never. Uh, I, I I don't I don't have the knees for squat, man. Uh, the, like the, my knee injuries from all the sports that I've done, and and I don't obviously I stopped you know after my freshman year of college, so I haven't even done as many years of sports as some of these professionals and college players have. Uh, my knees are already shot uh, just from the time that I did, so I can't imagine what they feel like in their thirties and forties um, because I already feel like a wreck half the time, but uh, no squats. Anything legs is is kind of a problem for me, and I still do it so I don't look like an odd figure, of course. But I would much rather do the bench press. And and running, 
like I'll I will run, but I will not run for fun. Um, and that, that's my thing. Like running for fun is stupid to me. I'd be a three cone drill guy. The, the, you like the, that stop yeah, the stuff? yeah, like the events where you have to stop, start, cut, things like that. That's what yep. I was always best yep. at. I was I was I was, was kind of a decent broad jump, believe it or not. I am so yeah. unathletic; it's not even funny. Broad, see, broad jump. I enjoy doing the broad jump and like box jumps. Uh, obviously, you do a lot of those in the off season to measure explosion. That stuff was fun, but I wouldn't remotely say that I was good at it. <laughs> Do I was jumped to last night. You were there. Places packed, sold out game. Cats take down Oklahoma, and uh, the Wildcats now potentially could get a you know two seed in the Big Twelve tournament. They're now thir- uh, twenty three and seven, eleven and six in Big Twelve play. Were there any student athletes sitting by you last night? Any student athletes? I mean, I, I'm trying to think. I think I saw Kobe Savage at one point, so I think there were a few football players over there. Well, you know, there there was a little while there that you know K State fans. It was packed every game. Then there a little bit of a lull, you know, during that losing streak where the student section wasn't exactly filling up. But I knew last night was going to be a very special environment. Cats have won three in a row. The place was going to be packed. The students were going to show up. It was going to be one of the best environments. To you, did it kind of feel like with, you know, after the slow start offensively, then you see the Cats become, for one night, the best fast break team in America with all its highlight mm-hmm. plays? That added with the atmosphere, senior night, the roar of the crowd, felt like kind of like the perfect culmination for what coach tang has done in his first year not like a slow progression of bringing the fans back it was the defibrillator on the chest kind of comeback and it was a great fit and a great ending to the home slate yeah it was storybook you know drew galloway on our side he kind of wrote about it too today but it was like a storybook ending to a first season first first senior night and uh and some of the the story writing you know all the credit in the world to guys like Jerome Tang. I'm sure Austin Carpenter, uh, support Stafford, that plays a role in all a lot of the ancillary ideas, you know, that are associated with the program. Whether that's Jerome Tang, you know, doing the Wabash Cannonball and and further, you know, developing that relationship and bond that he has with the student body, having the players and the coaches after the game kind of rush into the student section, so it's not just Jerome Tang, but it's all of them this time. And to end the season and in the student section, I mean, you couldn't write, you know, write it better. So I think uh, just the idea, the story writing that they kind of do themselves to kind of further, you know, ingratiate themselves to to that in the the brand of basketball. So you do all these like ancillary ideas like the. The, the Wabash that the players and coaches do it with them. You bring back Sandstorm. You have a flashy product on the floor as well. It was pretty boring that first 10 or 15 minutes. Pretty ugly basketball. They were they were setting, setting us back, you know, a few years from an offensive standpoint. All of a sudden, you know, they flip the switch, whether that's, you know, not playing tight anymore and trying too hard. And then you, you have this, like you said, highlight reel or highlight reel. The lobs that we've seen throughout the year, the, the the flashy passes that we saw on Wednesday night. Like if you have that kind of product in combination with, you know, ingratiating yourselves to the student body as much as they have, that's what's going to create that environment. 
But that's what's also maybe going to foster a situation where you don't necessarily have to plead and beg, you know, to fill up that, that student section all the way around, which they did that for three or four games this year and came close on two or three others. And even the average student crowds this year were better than any student crowd that I had seen before the season. And I covered the team since 2017. So they've already made remarkable progress. They just, they're shooting, shooting very, very high right now. And if they continue that brand, that, that product that's entertaining to watch along with the fun stuff like sandstorm and then getting to do Wabash with the players and the coaches and you have them going around after the game and almost like a victory lap after wins as well. And you win every game, but one or go undefeated at home. Then I don't think you're going to have to worry about attendance ever again. Speaking with Derek Young from K-State Online. So we mentioned a ton of highlights last night. There were seven dunks last night. Every one of them was just a little bit different than the other. Everyone was kind of set up in a different way. It was so much fun. And that comes after – I didn't timestamp it, but uh, you know, at least the first ten minutes where K State couldn't buy a bucket. I thought they did a lot of nice things to set up some some opportunities to score. Just couldn't get the ball to fall through the dang hoop. And for a while there, you know, go ahead. I said, yeah, there was a lid on the rim there for a moment, and then you had all the flashy dunks. Specifically, I thought, man, Naquan Tomlin had an excellent second half where all of his stuff came in. Desi Sills had the. I don't know if it was the game of his life, game of his Kansas State career. Man, he's fun to watch when he's going. Um, it sucks that we only get Desi Sills for one year because he's that personality, the way he smiles, the way he took the microphone after the game, of course, as well. Um, I think there was there was probably more story to write between Desi Sills and Kansas State that we kind of get cheated out of because he only has one year of eligibility remaining. It would have been really, really cool to have that guy in Manhattan for four or five years. Um, and I think we missed out on that. Um, hopefully those types of things are in the future are guys that are here for multiple years. Um, Keontae Johnson was another dunker. It was just, like you said, highlight reel, flashy dunks, kind of the, what we saw a lot of non-conference and then part of the first couple weeks of conference play as well. Um, a guy that, you know what, just kind of struck me. Do you think Marquise Noel can dunk? No. I don't. I doubt it too. I mean, I was surprised that one game last year, and it was a pretty good one when Nigel Pack dunked it. So I wonder if it's just sneaky in his arsenal and we just don't know it. But he's probably even shorter than Nigel, I would imagine. Yeah, Marquise is, I, th- I think, you know, he's listed at what, 5'8, but he's probably 5'7. I've only stood next to him a couple of times. He's not much taller than me. And Nigel Pack's what five eleven, six foot, six one, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. right? I thought Nigel was shorter than that. Okay, yeah. I might have to go sense. back and double check, but I, yeah. I, I think if Marquise can dunk, I think we would have seen it by now. He's had some chances at at breakaways, and he always lays it in. That's true, uh, or maybe he just doesn't want to take that risk and, and prove everyone uh, wrong or right. I guess. Who's taller, Marquise Noel or Deuce Vaughn? Marquise. Yeah, yeah Marquise. Yeah, I do. After standing next to both of them a few times, I think Marquise has Deuce just, you know, you know, by a few hairs. By a few hairs. And by the way, you said Marquise Noel wouldn't take that that risk. I, I, I think he's a bit of a risk taker, D.Y., with his three-point shooting a little bit. Yeah, I guess, I mean, being all alone going for a dunk is probably a little bit. But different risk taking three pointer. That's more, you know, 
up his alley. And, and it's like, you know, you can just go back. If you miss a three, no one cares. You miss a dunk because you're too short. You know, that, that kind of exposes you a little bit on a personal level. Well, I'll tell you what, Kel- Kellis was getting upset with me last night about some of my silly questions I was asking because I was extending the press conference maybe a little bit too long. Uh, next time we get to talk to Marquise, I'm going to ask him straight up: Can you dunk? I'm just going to I'm just going to ask him off to the side. I'm like, <laughs> and and I okay, and I yeah. want and the and I'm probably not even going to ask. I might ask him the dunking thing, but I want to ask him what he thinks if he's taller than Deuce because I, I I'm curious to what he says. I mean, Marquise probably taller, but I think it's closer than you're saying. I I do want to jump back to in a moment, maybe after the break. We'll, well I'm going to ask you about going back to the, the all the highlights last night. Back, but back to Desi, since you brought him up, uh, mm-hmm. not only I think he's, you know, I think you're right. Like it feels like he's finally hitting his stride. He's at peak confidence. His his slashing has gotten so much better, and he's doing a great job of finishing. And yes, now we're getting to know him on a personal level with just his uh, with the way he speaks and see him in a press conferences. I love everything now about Desi Sills. Is he one of the best showboaters? You ever seen because he is an excellent showbutter. He is hilarious in transition after K State scores. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. You're the more he becomes comfortable in Manhattan and in a Kansas State uniform, the more we are seeing that personality. He is truly the most charismatic and outwardly, you know, in a good way, cocky. He is the Travis Kelsey for Kansas State. That's how I'll say because okay. he grabbed that mic, he was totally comfortable and he was going to go a little you know blast it out a little bit just like Travis Kelsey does you know after a Super Bowl parade he's got that kind of moxie personality um you know to him that that's who he is and you're right you will see that in a game because he is uh interacting with the fans and just flat out dancing um, as the ball is still in play, coming back from a fast break. That's that's who he is. I'll never forget. It was in overtime against Kansas, and somebody had just scored for K-State. Felt like the game was in hand, and, and it looked like Desi started to do this, like, crouched gritty, back up the floor. Yeah. And he always does, he's like, done, when he makes a nice pass. He's done that a few times. He did it last night. It's so funny. And he loves to do, like, the binoculars uh, after a nice assist or a nice pass. Yeah, uh, Marquise, Marquise did that last night as well. They both had, I mean, there was a about a five-minute, like uh, maybe five minutes too long, but there was like a two- to three-minute sequence when Desi and Marquise both had some. That Marquise Noel pass, it's basically three-quarters full-court full pass without a bounce, right, to Naquan Tomlin just on the fly on a fast break for a breakaway dunk was as good of a pass that wasn't between someone's legs or behind someone's back that you'll see to, that you'll see in college basketball. Man, this team has been so fun to watch. When they are when they're on a run, when they're hot, they're they're making fun plays, they're hitting threes. I don't think anybody's more entertaining to watch than K State Hoops. I I I don't I I put them up against anybody when it comes to highlight plays and nobody can touch K State this season. And uh, and nobody can can touch you, man. Like I know we we spoke about it in our group chat, but you were the star of the show in the new highlight video from uh, K State Sports. 
<laughs> Troy started to play it in the office. And, that, and this comes after I made the comment to you guys. I was like, I, I, as soon as you said I'm in it and my voice is in it, I can't watch it. I, I'm my worst oh, critic. No. But not only is your voice in it, man, it's start to finish. You're the you're you're the not, you're you're a one part of that video. Somebody's gonna have to clockwork orange me to make me watch it. Uh. It's one of the better ones, though. I mean, I mean, I, I understand not liking the sound of your own voice. I'm the same way. Like I, I don't listen to any podcasts that I do. I don't listen to the playback of of when I come onto your show just because I hate the way that I sound. Everyone else is like, "Oh, you're fine, you're fine." I think it's just like a thing that everyone has. Yes, but to your, but I will just let you know, Mitch. You, you are really fantastic at the pa and you're really good on that video as well oh, i appreciate it I, i'm 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 glad you said that that means a lot to me dy i uh, uh it's still not working though i'm gonna have to watch it another day um all right <laughs> let's take a break dy when we come back well i, I do want to ask you another question about the highlights last night kind of a fun one plus we'll get to some pretty serious topics here i'm uh, real serious topics player of the year in the conference also big 12 tournament We'll talk about those topics when we come back with D.Y. on K-Man. Back to the game, Mitch Fortner, Trey Coverdale, Travion Berkland, Derek Young from Casey Line joins us via the Zoom. That's a quick idea. Desi Sills, if you're listening right now, first of all, appreciate it. <laughs> but also, second, t-shirt idea for you. Great NIL idea. Just let's make a t-shirt. Put your face on it. Big big Desi smile. And with your dig on it. Desi face, you dig. I think that would sell. I think that would be a hot seller. I'd be first in line to buy one of those T-shirts, Desi. I'm just saying, think about it. Back with Derek Young from K-State Online. Back to the highlights last night. What was your favorite? Was there one that almost made you jump out of your seat of how smooth it was and how it brought Bramlage to its feet? My pick is the the through-the-legs pass to Marquise for the dunk by David Gasson. And actually... The icing on the cake was Desi going in front of the uh, OU bench and showboating like he does in, a, in an awesome way that he that he pulls it off. What was your favorite moment last night? Yeah, I was going to say everyone's probably going to point towards the between the leg pass from Noel to Gasson. Uh, I would take two over that. I already spoke about the one on uh, Noel's full court, basically chest pass to Naquan Tomlin in between defenders. I mean, that just in terms of – uh, the level of difficulty of that pass, um, that's up there for me. Um, it didn't make the Sports Center top 10 like Noel's to Dave, but uh, it probably should have. And the dunk from, I mean, everyone knows one of the best finishers in college basketball, Naquan Tomlin. Mine, like you said, I think it's smoothness in the way they just pulled it off, but it's Desi's behind-the-back flip to Keontae Johnson for the three. I think that one's really underrated just for how it looked. And I think that it was before the other one. So it started kind of like that flashy run from the Wildcats. So that's my favorite. And I agree on the Desi shirt. He probably should try to go for that. Uh, when he said no cap, you, you dig when he had the microphone, of course, I think, or what's up Wildcats. Um, 
as soon as he grabs the mic, uh, yeah, his time on the mic was just a lot of fun. I think the the one thing I probably cracked up about it the most was him at the post game press conference, right when he's sitting there next to Naquan, and I think I was the one that you know kind of asked him about you know flirting with that triple double, and he kind of you know goes on his rant like he always does, um, which is a genuine one to be quite honest about not really caring about his personal accolades or, or accomplishments and in caring about winning more than anything, which that's not a, a front. That's the way Desi Sills is once you get to know him. But I thought, and you played the audio and you heard it, uh, is this a shout out to, the, it wasn't a shout out to anyone. He said, shout out to the triple double. Like it was a person. <laughs> I didn't even actually honestly catch that. Cause but yeah, if you played again, he says, shout out to the triple double. <laughs> Hey, pay respect to the triple double. It's a great stat. Unfortunately, K State's never had one, but the uh, the Cats have been c- uh, close a couple of times. I know Marquise Noel has. Final stats for Desi Sills last night was 15 points, nine rebounds, and eight assists. That's how close he was. Uh, uh, Desi Sills absolutely played his ass off. I- is that is that the difference right now? Desi Sills in the starting lineup leading to this four-game winning streak for the Cats, that extra energy? Or would you also uh, you know, point to what you actually brought up in the press conference about just the team getting a little bit more rest from the coaching staff or the staff giving them a little bit more rest and not asking them to do as much? Yeah, to me, it's probably two-part. It's the contributions that they are receiving from both Desi Sills and Aquan Tomlin. Um I know that he gets into foul trouble a bit, and it kind of hurts Kansas State. But Nikola Tomlin's numbers in the last five to seven games are pretty impressive. That's a guy starting to get it. Uh, when he is not in foul trouble, he is an absolute weapon. You saw that in the second half. When you're, because everyone knows one A one B is Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson, but you know two and three, or three and four, however you want to say, is Desi Sills and Nikola Tomlin. And when they are going right, um, Kansas State's tough to beat. That's just. You know, that's just the end of the game right there. Desi Sills and Naquan Tomlin, they are going right. And Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson are taking care of the ball to an adequate level because you know that they're going to get theirs. Uh, Kansas State's going to be hard to beat. So I think that's part of it. I think rest and recovery is a bigger factor than Desi Sills starting. I don't think it matters if Desi Sills is the sixth man or is the third man, right? Because at the end of the day, you look up at the stat sheet um, after each contest, he's going to have north of 30 minutes under his belt. I don't think his minutes are necessarily any different now than they were when he was coming off the bench. Speaking with Derek Young from K-State Online, later on in the show, I'm going to kind of give my two cents once again and kind of for the final time because we'll find out what Monday, who the you know, the all Big 12 players are, player of the year. Um, and for months now, I've been advocating for Marquise Noel. And I say months, you know, I, I kind of start really hammering it in a couple of weeks into the Big 12 schedule because – I, I truly felt like at that time Marquise Noel was the best player in the Big 12 and he should be certainly considered for the award once we got to this point. Well, we're now at that point, and there's one regular season game left. I am scared that it's going to go to Jalen Wilson, but I, I know you, you can be very good at being unbiased, even though you've been covering the Cats for a while. I think you're one of the best to go to here. Who should be player of the year in the Big 12? Marquise Noel. Um, aside from that turnover skid that he had, he you do a blind resume and everyone would everyone would pick Marquis Noel over Jalen Wilson. If you look at the stats and did a blind resume, right? He is as his uh, PER is top five in the Big Twelve. 
His offensive rating is top five in the Big 12. And in Big 12 only games, he's the leading scorer, he's the leading assist man, and he's leading in steals. And any other year, that would be the Big 12 player of the year, especially if it's a team that's second in the Big 12. Now, I would say to Kansas State fans listening to that, regardless of what I say, I'm 90 to 95% sure that it's going to be Jalen Wilson because he is pretty close to Marquise Noel in a number of stats and above him in some, and he's playing on the team that just that will likely win the Big 12 outright or already no already won the Big 12 outright, and I think that does carry some weight as well, at least to how the vote is typically undergo, undergone. So I think if people were doing a blind resume and, and team didn't matter and you kind of looked at the numbers, they would probably pick Marquise Noel. But at the end of the day, I think the winner for that award is going to be Jalen Wilson. My heart sunk. I'm not joking. Like I, As soon as you said it, you, you're 90% sure it's going to be Jalen Wilson. Like You kind of brought my worst fears to the forefront and – I don't I don't rant a whole yeah. lot on this what show. What they're going to if that happens? Oh, oh, DY. Uh, and I I'm not I'm not really one to criticize people. I just that's just not who I am. And I wouldn't criticize yeah. Jalen Wilson, but Marquise Noel is definitely a better defender than Jalen Wilson. I think he's I think Jalen's good, but he's not great. He plays his role extremely well. Uh, plus, you know, being the you know for a small lineup that KU puts out there with their starting five, bigger guys are going to be on him, right? Well, Jalen, you know, he, he he has the athleticism to outplay those big guys. So I think that that does play to his advantage. But, I mean, the role that Marquise Noel plays, he does so much more. And he makes the guys around him better. I, it, it, I'm going to be – I told Wyatt this on Monday. I'll, I'm going to be sick if Marquise Noel doesn't get it. Yeah. I, I'll be honest. There are two things I will say. I will be pleasantly shocked if Jalen Wilson doesn't win Big 12 Player of the Year. Secondly, while I would vote Marquise Noel and feel very good about that, and I think that if Marquise Noel was wearing a Kansas uniform and Jalen Wilson was wearing a Kansas State uniform, it would be flip-flopped. At the same time, Jalen Wilson is having too good of a year for me to openly probably be as up in arms about it as you anticipate being. Yeah, and you brought up the point, you know, Jalen Wilson's been a he's been a Jayhawk all his career. I don't want this to be like, you know, a you know, the lifetime achievement award for Jalen Wilson because he's been there for four years and he won a national championship last year and he, you know, he wasn't the guy last year. That was Ochai Abaji, but now he's the guy and he should get it because, you know, leading scorer or not, yeah, not the leading scorer in Big Twelve play, but he's almost. But he's leading rebounder. But that's just all he does: score and rebound. I know that's a big deal. But Marquise, how could you go away from the guy that makes the most threes per game in Big Twelve play? He is one of the best shooters from three in Big Twelve play. Leader in assists, leader in steals, like you said. Yes, you could throw the turnovers at him, but man, does he make up for it. In the last three games, like he has had double-digit rebounds or double-digit assists and no or one turnover. So he's really starting to turn that around, although he did have seven against Oklahoma State. All right, whatever. This is going to be a long four days before we figure (laughs) out who wins this thing. 
I think it's going to be Wilson. Stop it. That's not what you're supposed to say. This is a K-State show. I know. And I will say, and I and I realize people are going to be very, very upset about it, including you. I will just say, my vote would be Marquise Noel, but Jalen Wilson's having too good of a season for me to be in meltdown mode over it. I'm going to melt down. I'm already, I'm already melting down, and the thing hasn't been decided yet. Last question, D.Y., uh, I, I thought it would be interesting to get into the Big 12 tournament talk because the Cats, you know, if they take care of business on Saturday, they're, they're going to be the two seed uh, in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, that's, a, that's a big deal, obviously. Um, I, I guess the question is, kind of a fun one here to wrap up. So if you're K-State – other than the top four teams, KU, Baylor, Texas, and obviously K-State, other than the other top three uh, with the Cats, who would you definitely want to play at this point, and who would you definitely not want to play if you're K-State uh, early on in the Big 12 tournament? Well, I don't want to play TCU. I think, you know, and that team's at their peak performance. They're as good as number one. So if we're talking about a Thursday game, you know, you want to stay away from TCU. As long as Avery Anderson's not available, and you know, obviously you would take another rematch with Oklahoma. But man, Oklahoma, I would be okay with playing first. Oklahoma State without Avery Anderson, I would be okay with playing first. Iowa State, I would be okay with playing first. I know Kansas City's their second home, and they would camp out at Power and Light and and you know basically rent that place out because they're in love with it so much. But I just don't think the Cyclones are playing good basketball right now. And now they have the whole kill grill drama that we haven't even touched on as well. So those three really pop out to me. I know some people will say, oh, Texas Tech, Texas Tech. Man, I don't know. I think Texas Tech's playing better than all three of the schools that I mentioned. All right, D.Y., I I suppose that'll do it. Did you know that that Bebe was married and has a kid before last night? No, it doesn't shock me, though. He kind of carries himself as someone that's, you know, lived a life a while and has kind of been through the rigors and, and, you know, just a very seasoned individual when it comes to life experiences. Oh, just, just adorable. He he and his wife and son, Ibrahim is his son. Just adorable. Yeah. I, I didn't know until I read the script. I was like, I'll be John Brown. Yeah, I think well, it was a son probably – no more than two years old, probably less, and he was throwing up the Wildcat sign with Bebe, too. I thought that was pretty cool. All right, D.Y., I'll let you go. I'll be seeing you here in uh, about a week in Kansas City. Yeah, see you then. It's Derek Young from Case and Online. Thank you so much to D.Y. for his time. When we come back, we'll finish up the hour as we catch up, as we do every Thursday with K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty next. All right, let's finish up the hour here on the game as we catch up with K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty. He's not joining us on the phone this week. Actually, I went over to the basketball training facility. Zach Deloach from the Mercury. D. Scott Fritchen was there as well. Got to have a little press conference with Coach Mitty earlier today because senior night coming up on uh, Saturday when K-State hosts the Texas Longhorns. It's kind of like K-State going to West Virginia. First meeting between the two since December 31st Mm -hmm. to begin Big 12 play. But also... Uh, two seniors are going to walk on Saturday. Uh, Sarah Shamatsi, the grad transfer from France, will be her last game. Emily Ebert has decided not to use her last year of eligibility. She's going to 
called a career after uh, this season. So a lot of the f- uh, focus early on in this interview was about Emily Ebert, but we'll also jump into the loss last night at Oklahoma, 90-86, to where K-State stormed back down 22, got to game the overtime. Unfortunately, Oklahoma rallied themselves in the final minute to get it to overtime with some missed free throws in uh, a late layup uh, at the buzzer for Oklahoma to send it to overtime, and the Cats lose by four. And then, of course, we'll touch on the Texas game on Saturday. Here's the media with Coach Mitty. Senior night coming out. Uh, just, I guess, first question, just talk about the, the impact that she's had on the team, especially this season being – I mean, I know you have other seniors, but she's a senior who's been here yeah. all four years. Yeah, you know, she's had a very good career. She's filled a lot of roles for us in her career. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she's one of the smartest players we've had. Uh, she uh, – in, in kind of the line of the Shane Martins, Emily mm-hmm. Eberts, those players have filled a lot of roles, not just – whether you're you're a versatile player that plays the two, the three, the four, but also from a a brain standpoint of handling situations late in games, critical in those situations, she um, she really is a coach on the floor in that regards, mm-hmm. and she's got such a calm demeanor to her. That's been a really valuable piece for us to have. You know, benefit your program bringing in someone from the area, whether that's recruiting or just maybe someone who's more familiar with what K State's all about. Yeah, you know, that that's um, there isn't any question that Kansas kids that grow up in this region have a great appreciation for Kansas State because they had that younger growing up, right? They either came on campus, it was, you know, maybe the first time they'd been on a college campus, and she certainly fits that. You know, one of the things that, uh, through her career, she's one of the players that played through the pandemic. And when we went 31 days and didn't play, and we were one of the programs that got hit by far the hardest, and there were programs that didn't play. Duke didn't play the rest of the season. SMU didn't play the rest of the season. And I pulled Ebert in, I pulled Yoki in, and I said, look, guys, I know we're in a tough situation, but what I also don't know is that some of the best basketball moments might be ahead of us here. And they were like, yeah, let's let's go for it, even though we weren't able to practice. You know, keep in mind, that was the first pandemic deal. Mm-hmm. That was, if you got COVID, you were out 17 days. You didn't do anything hardly for 17 days. Well, it was so cool because Yoki ends up with a career high. She ends up with a career high against Kansas at home. Mm -hmm. And while we didn't have a ton of success, that was a really cool moment because, you know, they wanted to play, even though they knew that we were in a tough situation. So, you know, I think that's been cool. Uh, That that moment for her was really something special. And then she's had, uh, you know, the free throw moment this year where she ties the school record, that's a cool moment for, for her and for us. So, yeah, all of that's pretty cool. Going back to last night, down 22 in the first half, you storm back and it's all of a sudden it's a really good game into the fourth quarter. What did it take to come back from 22 down to make it a game? You know, a lot of grit, a lot of determination, a lot of uh, uh, players playing um, – extended minutes because I've said before one of the bad habits that our group has had is fall behind early and that really hurts your rotation last night we were even a shorter rotation because Briley Glenn got hurt in shoot around and so Briley wanted to try 
she went four minutes, but uh, that leg injury was getting worse. She was really hobbled, so we, she wasn't available the rest of the game. So, you know, it took a lot of grit. Eliza Moppin had to play extended minutes. Uh, we had foul trouble with both Shamatsi and Heavenly. Um, Serena, Gabby. I mean, we had Jay, Jalen Glenn was phenomenal last night. You look at her stat line across the board. You look at what she did from threes, driving, hits big free throws late. I think she might have had five or six steals. Um, we had to have big performance from a lot of people. Gabby hit a stretch where uh, three straight transition threes, and then Serena with a career high last night. So we had to have a lot of things. Um, but I think season high in steals last night. Our defense was really active. Um, we did a lot of things well last. Night. I felt awful uh, for the team after the game. I, I felt I, I couldn't have I couldn't have felt worse for a team just because the, how hard they worked. They did so many things well, and just to come up short again that's been tough. And and I felt bad for them last night. Serena averaging 26 the last three games, and you mentioned her 33 last night. Is that yeah. her obviously stepping up, but is it more like trying to put the team on her back? Well, I don't know about that from her mentality, but I think, you know, what I've told her is she's got she's stay aggressive. She's, she's got to stay aggressive. Uh, we were having this conversation the other day on the floor, and, uh, you know, she struggled with her three-point shot, and she was turning some shots down, and I said, you, you have to make the right play. Um, there is value even in a missed three-point shot if it's the right play. It still has to be a threat. And you saw last night she got the three ball going a little bit, but uh, she's been fantastic, playing really well. I like her aggressiveness. Um, yeah, doing a lot of things well. When you go over the film with the team, are you going to put a lot of focus on that final minute? No, no, not really because we did a lot of things really well. No, really, uh, we did a lot of things really well. Uh, we had no timeouts left. So when I talk about Ebert's intelligence and getting the ball to the right people, we, we did all those things really, really well. Okay, so while we can say the result, I mean, we did a lot of things really well. And even the, the play to tie it, we didn't do a lot of things bad there. We just had a cut, uh, maybe just a hair, but, but that's going to happen. Um, no, we did a lot of things really, really. I was proud of our group because with no timeouts left, they handled a lot of situations. Now, some of it was benefited by the fact that we go to replay, and replay takes 15 minutes, uh, you know, to get stuff done. So it wasn't like we weren't having conversations because, you, you know, those things help you in the last minute uh, when they keep going to the monitor. But all in all, they had to handle a lot of stuff. Uh, one other Emily question since eight years old, her dream was to play at Kansas State. There's something to be said for that, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. You know, it uh, grow up, and for many kids that have that dream, I don't know what the percentage is, but most don't don't get that dream, right? And uh, to have it happen, uh, to be on teams that uh, played in the NCAA tournament. Uh, to uh, be a, a significant contributor, um, that's pretty special. It goes fast. We were talking about that the other day. I talked to her after practice, and uh, she kind of chuckled. She, you know, as young people do, they go, man, they tell you it goes fast, but when you're in it, until you get to the end, it doesn't feel like it, but you get to the end, and it's like, wow, I can't believe I'm, I'm here. For us uh, that have been in it a while, you, you, you know how fast it goes. 
you know how fast it goes. So, um, yeah, it's pretty special for her to be able to do what she's done. Your thoughts on Texas Saturday and also does it get tough trying to circle back to think about the first game because that was all the way back on December 31st? Yeah, you know, yeah, I, Big 12 does some weird scheduling stuff. Um, yeah, we haven't seen them. Uh, we haven't seen them this year. Um, that was in 2022, right? Yeah. So, so that's a weird thing uh, to have it bookended like this. But, um, you know, they're playing for a championship. They're sitting in, in position uh, to get a championship. So we're going to get a Texas team that uh, is, I'm sure, ready to go. Um, they got a fantastic team. They got a ton of size in there. They've got good quickness. They've got the point guard that uh, has, uh, uh, you know, their record without her wasn't very good. Their record with her is excellent. So they've got a good team. We did not. We didn't have Gabby the first time around. Um, we were a little banged up. Uh, hopefully, Briley is uh, available on Saturday. I don't. We're not going to probably know that. Uh, quite honestly, uh, I, I really. Uh, I'll, I'll say Briley will want to try. I'm just knowing her, but uh, we haven't. I haven't seen her today, and and so. Uh, but Texas got an excellent team, and uh, they're playing for a championship, so it should be a heck of a matchup. And we've got a big, uh, you know, alumni weekend, so we've got a lot coming back uh, for this. So we're, we've got a busy weekend. Big thank you to uh, Jeff Mitty earlier today for his time. Hour two, got a full hour two. It's our last show of the week as Coach Tang finishes his home slate, sixteen and one. My last pitch for Marquise Noel and Player of the Year in the Big 12 next.